With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome, everyone, to Tennis.com's podcast. I am Ed McGrogan talking with Steve Tigner out in Wimbledon. Um, wanted to catch up after the conclusion of week one. It's actually uh, not the week one you know, with a bow on it like we're used to seeing uh, because some third-round matches have been uh, moved ahead to Monday. Uh, there will still be no play on the middle Sunday. So we wanted to catch up... Um, Steve talking about really, I think, some of the bigger happenings of week one and perhaps to look ahead to next week. Um, I think we have to start with Serena, who uh, saved, I guess, the chaos for last in this in this tournament. We, I didn't think there was really a, a ton of activity, you know, unusualness compared to last year until toward the end of this week. And now we're see, we've seen Serena lose three times before the quarterfinals at each slam this year. Yeah, to me, it kind of calls to mind a little bit of what Roger Federer went through last year. You know, how do you see this really, I think, first really extended rough patch for Serena? Yeah, it's true. This is something new. Um, you know, we've seen occasional losses from her, but now this is three straight. This feels like, you know... This is obviously more than a one-off. Something there is is different from from last year for her. She says, she said in her press conference today that everybody plays the match of their life against me, um, and it is true that Cornet played well in this match. The woman who beat her at the French Open, Muguruza played really well, and and Ivanovic who beat her at the Australian Open also played really well. But but um, I think the real issue is that. You know, when I think it's the same for any sort of older champion. When other players start to see you lose to to lower, you know, slightly lower level players, they start to think they can do it too. You know, they can beat you too. Uh, Muguruza didn't seem particularly intimidated at the French Open. Cornet had already beaten Serena once this year. She's and she said that gave her total confidence that she could she could close this match out because she'd already done it. So I think it's sort of you know, that effect of that sort of locker room effect that once you're not quite as dominant, then, you know, it, that sort of leads to, you know, that leads to more losses just because other people, other players get more confident. I also feel like where Serena thinks or says that other players are playing out of their minds, I almost feel like now they can just play their normal games against her. They're a little less intimidated. Cornet said that today. She went out there and said, I just want to play like myself. I just want to be myself. And for most players, that's usually not really possible against a player like Serena because you'd be too intimidated. But I feel like Muguruza and and, and Cornet were both able to just be relaxed enough to play their games, and that's what worked the best for them. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't as if Serena was um, 
you know, was kind of not into this match by any stretch. She, I'm talking about emotionally, uh, has kind of the, the classic fist toward the face of the opponent that pretty much only she could get away with really in the game. And, and, but I, I think a lot of that emotion ended up working against her really. You know, she is a player who I think when it comes out on the court, it, it either it doesn't always come out the best way, and I think she. It, it appeared that you know, you'd be surprised that to think that she's a 17-time Grand Slam champion, and she still is kind of playing points like someone who is you know looking for a breakthrough win, almost like she's almost never been in this position before. Um, yeah, this match reminded me um, just along those lines. This match reminded me of the French Open men's final with Novak Djokovic. You know, Djokovic and Serena both major champions, number ones, but also can get, or at least, you know, that they can get negative and show a lot of negative body language, and both of them did, and both of them waited until the match was almost lost before they before they decided, before they gathered themselves, really, and, and, and at that point it was too late. So I think, that, you know, that's a that's a big deal for both of them going forward is, is you know, to show not as, not as much negativity. Any, anything with the serve? Because I thought that was one area where it was clear that Serena certainly didn't have that honed into her usual abilities. Yeah, it wasn't as good. It wasn't as good during this tournament. She only had three aces, and it just didn't have that same sort of motion. I mean, it was the same motion, but not the same sort of smoothness. Um, Effortlessness, power, maybe. Power, yeah, that we're used to. She didn't say anything afterwards. There was no real talk of any injury. Um so yeah, that's that's a bit of a mystery right now. Yeah. Now it uh, this loss, of course, opens it opens up the top half considerably for Sharapova. I think that's you know really hers for the taking after her history and her you know this year in general and just the past um, you know this street. I think this run that she's been on. And I'm a little more really interested in the bottom half of the straw, which uh, if if you haven't noticed, it's, it's kind of been decimated a little bit. Although, you know, many of the of the top seats still remain. It's just players that you might not suspect as the usual suspects at the majors. And that includes a Wimbledon champion in Kvitova. Also includes um, Rodwanska, who has been very deep at Wimbledon in the past. And Carolyn Wozniacki as well, who I think is sort of drumming up a little bit of... Uh, dark horse potential based on kind of you know, not only her play but I think her position really when you consider everything that's going on with her so you know who do you really favor in that bottom half because I think that you know compelling cases can be made for really anybody yeah I pick Kvitova to make the final I also pick Serena to win the tournament so that's not exact that's not a lock it's not Kvitova gospel yeah played with um a, you know a really a lot of determination against Venus. And I really think Kvitova considers this a really special tournament and she's still pretty, I think it was haunted by the loss she had here last year to Flipkins in a match she could have won in a tournament she could have won. I feel like she wants to get that back in a way. So I still, I would favor her. You never obviously can tell with her. Radwanska is also, she's been to a final, she's been to a semi. I think she also has sort of some unfinished business here in her mind. Um, and she's good on grass. She maybe it might even be who knows might even be her best surface. So those those two definitely stand out. And Wozniacki has had a has had a good 
grass court run. You have to feel like she's she's put a little of her personal life behind her in these in Eastbourne and here. Um, she's had some good wins, and here she's she's had a good draw here. Um, so we'll see what she can do. I don't I don't see her beating Kavitova if they play each other. But um, talk about but, a contrast of styles between those yeah. two. I mean that's that's just, that's night and day. But it's a good run for her, and you know, um, I think that I think you know I think she could go for. I could, I can't see her getting to the final. I think Kavitova is has got to be the has got to be the uh, favorite down there. And thinking a little bit about the the women's game, really just in total this year, I think we, we've heard a, a little bit about how a nice youth movement has come through the game. And, and you've written a lot about Bouchard and, and you know, Muguruza, the French, of course. And it's definitely you know undeniable. I think there is more promising long-term potential at the moment in the WTA. But you know, one thing I've noticed this tournament and you know, really over the, I'd say even, not even just the slams, but sort of the bigger events that have led up to the summer stretch here is, you know, there is definitely something to be said for what the, the, the younger players are doing on the men's side. And I think we're seeing, you know, Raonic kind of round into his own, um, you know, despite, you know, not going to say the titles that, ha- that accompany, um, breakthroughs, but, Dimitrov, I think, is turn. You know, he gets a match on center court. I think that was a pretty big statement in and of itself for the Alun Club to do. And then you have Nick Kyrgios, who, you know, you might think that we're not going to see him again until the 2015 Australian Open, but it's um, he's really, um, I think, announced himself pretty amazingly well in this service. He's going to get Nadal next in like, a must-see match. So, you know. Who, Maybe just some of your thoughts on, I guess, the young men that, um, even though the big four is still the clear roadblock and until proven otherwise, this has been a nice showing. Yeah, it does seem like right now that Dimitrov and Ranich especially have, um, you know, we weren't, we, we had heard about them and then we weren't sure about them. It seemed to, seemed to be taking a long time to, to, um, reach their potential, a long time to move up the rankings. But now, when you look back, you you sort of see a steady progress, um, and and you see them now like you know, taking the next steps in Grand Slams, reaching the quarters. Each has reached a quarter this year. Each um, has looked, you know, steadier and better at at the, at at these slams recently. You know, Dimitrov lost early at the French, but he looks really good on grass. Rand did well at the French, and he looks very solid right now. It does seem like. It does seem like well those guys aren't breaking through yet or really about to to um break through against the top four they um it, it does seem like they're gonna make it there's gonna be a a future there and and curious is sort of i mean total wild card at the moment nineteen years old and he seems yeah know, he is a wild card i believe he's already like a and literally a wild card but he seems like a you know a star in the making at, you know and We'll 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 definitely see that against Nadal, no matter what happens in the match. Yeah, that is a uh, center court special for sure. Um, you know, one overall issue I wanted to touch on, uh, sort of an unfortunate trend actually at this tournament, is the issue of suspended matches, where darkness, uh, you know, has just been unable allowed un- players unable to continue playing. But the issue that I've seen is that a, a lot of players have spoken up about really the, um, you know, the randomness, I guess, you know, are 
friend Tom Prada used that term on Twitter actually about matches that there's really no rhyme or reason to win. Matches are getting called. You're seeing matches on outside courts that were suspended maybe 30 minutes, um, you know, and you're still seeing a match being played a half hour later on a different court. And these are happening in some very, you know, pivotal times, of course, in the match, too. Um, you know, so, since you're on site there, and I think you're hearing a lot about it, and of course, seeing it, you know, you're seeing that it, I'm sure it's pretty dark out there. So, you know, what, is, what has been kind of the, the buzz about this? And, do, and I guess, do you think something really needs to be done about it? Yeah, there does seem to be, you know, it's a, up to the umpire's discretion, and they do different things on different courts today. Uh, Anna Ivanovich and Sabine Lasicki basically wanted to stop on court one, and they stopped a little after 9 o'clock. Yesterday, Burditch had played past 9.30, and today Madison Keys played past 9.30, half an hour after Ivanovich and Lasicki stopped under the same light. So so um, there is something random there. I mean, there needs to be discretion in the sense that every match will be at a different stage, and you don't want to stay, you know, the Burditch match continued because I think they wanted to, it was coming to possibly to the end of the match, where Chilich could win, or coming back just to play a tiebreaker the next day, so they they stayed out there. Um, so I think one of the things people have suggested is get is to have a light meter on the court where where some something is designated as if the light goes below a certain level, the umpire can stop the match maybe at the end of the next game or the next changeover, just to give a a little bit more of a an overall sort of standard for when it should for when the matches should be called. They use that in cricket. And, and something uh, like that wouldn't be as intrusive as, say, a shot clock or something. It's, you know, yeah, it's kind of an, impar- any- it's an impartial really arbiter on the whole thing. I don't think anybody would be against that. I think Wimbledon, Wimbledon has a ten- tendency to want to do things its own way, and it's always done it this way and has kept the discretion with the officials rather than doing any, you know, anything like that, anything more scientific. Um, but I think that's a possibility, and when you see things like tonight um, at the end of the keys, shred of a match, the two of them were about to walk out to play a, to play um, a tiebreaker when, when um, keys just asked the umpire, are we still playing? And basically the umpire then had a, a second thought and said, no, let's just stop now. And that was, was really, after keys was broken, was serving right. for a third set. Yeah. There's really no, it was a very indecisive decision. So, so yeah, I think there's I think there's something that can be done there, and, and probably should be done. I know it is very very dark where you are now. Um, I'll let you go and enjoy your middle Sunday. I will hear, and we will be back next week um, with plenty on Wimbledon. And tomorrow you also have previews on uh, still a pretty manic Monday of matches. Um, it's not the fourth round. Um, spread that as usual but it's uh, still pretty good so um steve will talk to you soon and thank you all for listening to tennis.com podcast thank you for listening to the tennis.com podcast for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com